everybody to episode five of the Association Marketing Show. I'm your host, Abai Karana, the CMO here at Feather. And today I'm joined by Paul Kisson, the Director of Marketing and Web Technology at the National Confectioners Association. Paul, thank you so, so much for being here with us today. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, big fan of Feather. I love that. I'm a big fan of you and your work at NCA, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking more about that here today. So before jumping into some detailed questions, can you tell me a little bit about your personal and professional background, maybe how you got into the association world, and then what you're doing uh, today at NCA? Sure. Uh, and actually, I think throughout this podcast, I'll probably talk about this a little bit, but um, you know, I think NCA is a little bit of a unique situation in the association world in that um, we've gone through a transformation over like the last five years or so uh, with uh, a new president. And as part of that, um, I think that they were open to um, some inspiration from worlds outside of the association. Um, and uh, my background really isn't uh, in association life, but um, actually, you know, a, a varied background um, that starts with uh, a general interest uh, with in, in, in web design, um, which is uh, really beginning like middle school and high school. Um, I was, uh, you know, just like taken by the world of computers. Um, and that's really kind of the foundation of my professional life. Between landing in um, NCA in the association world, I spent a little time in Japan. Um, actually got an opportunity to work for a general contractor who uh, worked with a lot of associations uh, developing like web technology projects, websites, uh, developing email, things like that. Mm. I actually ended up at NCA. Uh, I found them on Indeed. I think I had just a mixture of... Um, attributes that they were looking for. They invited me in and we really just hit it off. The National Confectioners Association, also known as NCA, uh, is the largest trade association for the U.S. candy industry. Um, we're kind of in a unique position, I think, in that like we don't really have a lot of other uh, associations um, that do what we do for the U.S. candy industry. Uh, we are a member company level association, uh, so we don't have individuals who are members we have companies who are members mm. um, and so some of the familiar names are like mars and hershey um and then also like maybe some of the less familiar names but still very prominent people like godiva or jelly belly right mm. uh so our role what the association is doing right now mostly um and this has shifted a lot in the last five years is we are really focused on being the communication and uh, representation of the entire industry to really every audience, consumers, the Hill, but then also within the industry itself and trying to like work together to, to build coherent strategy and long-term direction. And so what does your scope look like today? Um, so we're not a huge association. You know, we have about 30 employees. I think it's right around the size where like really everybody's pitching in all the time. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that size on down, everybody's pitching in to, to do right. everything. Right. And so like my scope is, is pretty broad, I think. I'm on site at events, talking to members, interviewing them for communication and marketing material, but really everything, I guess is like my marketing role is concerned and, and like my, my web management role is concerned. My big responsibilities are to continue to oversee like general tactics for really all of our marketing. Um, mm. The day-to-day, -day, making sure that, um, that the 
information about what the association is doing is coming into the marketing team, mm. organizing it, and then delegating. And then basically, in general, overseeing like broad strategy for what we do in like the medium term and, and long term. And then my other huge role, which I think is where Feather primarily plays a role for us, is the marketing of our signature event, our, one of our primary events, the Sweets and Snacks Expo, yeah. um, which is one of the larger candy and snack trade events yeah. in the country. Yeah, and we're happy to have been working with, with you guys for at least three years at this point. I think it might have been actually all the way back since 2016 is the first uh, version of the event that we worked with you for. Yeah, our predecessor brought you on, and uh, I'm so thankful. You know, you guys immediately helped me transition, um, did a lot to help sort of realize some of my vision for mm. what marketing should be. Mm. Um, the digital component is something that you guys make very accessible. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was kind of Feather helping you realize some of your vision for what you wanted marketing to look like um, at NCA. And maybe you could talk about that more, not necessarily the Feather specific component, but like what, what is and was kind of your vision for what like a high quality marketing department, marketing function looked like for your association? I think, um, I think initially, you know, just like most people, uh, when I first got to NCA, I, I wanted to make my own sort of vision of, of where things went. You know, I want to make my imprint on, on how we approach marketing. And uh, so I think that at least initially, like, I was totally absorbed in, you know, um, what everybody was talking about, which was, was personalization. And I think it just like, it helped me dive into the world of, of what was possible. Um, and so I think, uh, look, there was a, there was a structure that was in place whenever I first got to NCA and I, um, wanted to build and, and move it in different directions. Um, so I guess like what happened initially and, and part of it was kind of like, uh, impressed upon me because when I came into marketing the show specifically, mm. my, my predecessor had actually already mapped out the plan for the year. Mm. And so actually a lot of my available budget was, was already occupied. Uh, so what I ended up doing was I, I knew that with the finite amount I had to kind of create my own path, um, I needed to find really efficient tools. Mm. And, and I already saw in my own personal consumption that, uh, that, I was making decisions based on things that I was seeing online. And I'm, what I also knew was that like a lot of marketers in the association space weren't, weren't investing in digital that much. Uh, mm -hmm. So like, I felt like there was like this wide open channel uh, <laughs> that was perfect for me at the time, which was like, was, was cheap and mm -hmm. it was available. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, I think that like, I guess, and part of, I think what you're trying to, to, to get me to talk about a little bit is, um, I mean, how did I make that transition? Where do I start? Um, yeah. to some extent, I, I, um, my web, web background gives me an advantage, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with, with computers. Uh, I think that like, I've just been very curious about what this, this world looks like. Um, and so it's led me to explore a lot of, of what's out there. The Association Marketing Show is brought to you by Feather, the all-in-one digital marketing toolkit built just for associations. To learn more about our tools and services, check us out at feather.co. That's F-E-A-T-H-R dot C-O. Would you say that your 
like the percentage of your marketing budget invested in digital versus traditional for promoting all of your programs and, and your key events has like year over year linearly gone more and more digital over the last three, four years? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, and I actually, we, ha- we have a, a deliberate plan that we're executing over the course of years yeah. to move, I think, even further in that direction than we are currently. Yeah. Uh, coming up with a percentage, I'd say that right now we're probably 70 digital to, to, to 30 traditional. Yeah. I think that actually probably this year we're even a little bit exaggerated just because of like the, the uniqueness yeah. of everybody being online right now. Right. Um, I think one of the things we're going to discuss going into next year is that we'll probably want to continue to, well, I think we probably will actually go back in the direction of traditional just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are going to be a little bit burned out on digital, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yes, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the general shift is definitely in the direction of, of digital. 70, 30 is, is more than what I typically hear. That's, I think that's, that's more than the average. Um, well, Cool. I, I mean, I know for us still, and I think for a lot of associations, they're very dependent on email marketing. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I feel like in some ways that's like a halfway in between digital and traditional <laughs> um, in a way. Uh, I think that with, with email and why I feel like something like Feather is such a good alternative to accomplishing the same thing is that email has been used as a reminder tool for a long time mm. uh mm. i feel like right right it's a uh, we have to email you once a week so you continue to think about it but it's not very good and, for that uh, right <laughs> it's not it's, it really isn't and finally when everybody uses it for that uh the whole thing becomes used like without without value yeah um so for us all these other digital platforms have including feather have really acted as like the constant drumbeat of like, don't forget about me. Right. Mm. Um, it's and, much better for that reminder, stay in the loop layer of communication that everyone needs. Right. And like, that's especially when there's time-based things that you're marketing around like events, whether they're virtual or they're, you know, in person in the future, or it's a webinar or it's, you know, some kind of membership registration deadline for a special or something like associations have a lot of time-based marketing initiatives, right? Just in general. Uh, And especially for things like that, that reminder layer of communication is super important and typically gets more and more important as you get closer and closer to the date of the thing that you're marketing. But if all you have for sending reminders is marketing, or sorry, is marketing emails, right? Is emails. Then uh, you create a very poor relationship between your emails and your audience, right? (laughs) Where the expectation is you know, repetitive information. It's like slightly annoying information. It's inbox clutter. Um, but I love this concept and I haven't heard somebody say it so clearly as you that retargeting is a very good solution for that kind of reminder layer of communication for, for your marketing. And then I think email returns to, um, what I, I think its primary value is, which is communication. Uh, and, and really, I think longer form content. Yes. I mean, for us, like right now, we're investing our time in in a, a newsletter where we're sourcing from all of our association. And newsletters are not a new thing, but sourcing from all of our association, the most valuable things the association is doing. And because we're not constantly hitting you with, hey, don't forget 
to sign up for this, um, you actually stop and you read all of the really valuable content mm -hmm. uh, that, that the association is producing. Because it's like, yeah. oh, I got this one communication from NCA this week. I know that it's not them asking me for something, but giving me something. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, it, it changes the relationship with your brand and it makes email, at least for us, more relevant again. Yeah. Um, and then I, I can, I can, I yeah. love that. I, I love that kind of description of the relationship between email and retargeting as marketing channels and how they can be used in more intelligent and effective ways. It's like retargeting is super effective for that kind of reminder layer of communication. It can be used for other things, of course, as well. And email can then kind of like retake its place as the kind of very value first rich form of communication for your audience because you have another solution in place now for that reminder yep. layer of communication, which is your retargeting campaigns. I love that. And what's also really cool about ad retargeting is it's not nearly as invasive. I mean, you are part of content that they've sought themselves, right? They're going to um, read their email at Yahoo. Suddenly there's this ad on the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, I right. guess, at least for me anyway, when a brand shows up in my inbox, uh, and some, like if I didn't opt in, I feel like I'm actually, you know, maybe my, my impression of the brand has changed a little bit, mm -hmm. but if it just shows up as an ad in the corner of a website that I'm already at, uh, it's just, yeah. it feels softer. Like an and more ad's going to be there anyways, right? <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly. It's just yeah. a matter of which ad it is. And, it, and, and if the ad is more relevant to you, cause it's a retargeting based ad as opposed yep. to some kind of like cold, you know, targeting ad that has a relevant message and a relevant reminder, then, then that's all the more uh, kind of well taken by the audience. I agree. I'd love to round out the kind of channel mix that you have in place. It sounds like email and retargeting are two key channels for you. Are there any other digital marketing channels that kind of make up your core mix? Um, so we have invested in basically every channel because we feel like there's somebody in our audience that relies on that source as their source for making decisions. Mm. So um, we invest in telemarketing. Mm -hmm. We actually have a fairly significant investment in telemarketing. I think we're not doing it in sort of like the same way that, that maybe most people imagine, which is like very rigid, but instead we approach it like we are your concierge. Um, if you want to register, we're here to help. We will make sure this process is painless for you. Mm, you know, right. um, it doesn't come off as a hard sell in that way. It's just like, we're here. Uh, yeah. So, uh, telemarketing, mm. uh, we, we, we do invest in trade publications, obviously email, um, digital retargeting, and then, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, yeah. uh, we actually, for the, for, for the group, I mean, I, uh, we have digital mail or direct mail as part of our um, historic suite. Yeah. But this year we're actually like cutting it entirely. Um, yeah. Partly because we don't have a lot of faith that people are where their addresses are yep. in our database. So, yep. uh, but, but then the last thing that I think is just really central, not only to my philosophy about marketing, but also um, in terms of like, the most effective tools for us. And that is audience self-advocacy. Mm. Um, so that is uh, the, the Evite platform. Mm. Um, our our uh, 
platform built for our exhibitors to invite their customers to our show mm-hmm. uh, to basically be a uh, testimonial in some ways. You like our brand, you work with our brand. Here's this other brand that we really believe in and we're investing um, in ourselves, mm-hmm. come and be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and, and then also in addition to that, um, on the, on the actual attendee side, for those people that are our loyalists, getting them to invite people in their network, mm-hmm. right. Um, use, use the power of trust that you've already built in your audience to yeah. bring in more of their friends, right. more of their like-minded people. Right. Um, what you're describing is is like a evites or an invites uh, style program, and I know that, in my opinion, this is one of your kind of marketing superpowers as an organization, and and you and your team is the effectiveness with which you run your evite programs, and they go by a lot of different names, but basically what you're describing is giving both your kind of like exhibitors, sponsors, speakers, like maybe your partners, as well as your attendees, both giving both of those groups of, of, of people the opportunity and the ability to advocate for you and to promote your organization overall or one of your specific programs like an event. Um, yep. And one of the things that, that we've learned, because we have a product that helps to, to support this, is that a lot of there's there's a healthy por- portion of your audience that is very willing to do that for you, provided that you make that easy for them to do. Uh, and simply making the act of of sharing information about your event easy for your attendees or for your exhibitors and sponsors, you'll immediately get picked up by you know a percentage of of that base who was willing to do that already and now has just kind of finally been nudged or, or given the tools to make that easy for them. And I like that you were describing that you have a strategy in place both for the exhibitor and sponsor side of things as well as the attendee side of things. Could you, yeah. could you talk about that a little bit more, kind of like the history of that program and how it's, how it's developed and improved over the last, over the last few years? Yeah. Um, so I think... I think with any marketing vehicle, you got to have like a concrete plan, right? And I think what um, what was again going back to my vision, uh, yeah, I I knew that advocacy was a really important channel to to pursue, and so I really like built a a strong and detailed strategy around how I would make it successful. Mm. Um, this doesn't only apply to e-bikes. I think this applies to everything. Um, yeah. So. For, for us, um, really, it started with just a simple campaign where we were emailing the, the manufacturers to make sure that they were aware of this tool that we had that basically just made, you know, their relationship with their customer at the show easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we did a whole lot the first year other than just like send them a couple of emails. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next year, um, we really, you know, as a way of, kind of improving the output of the platform, we started to look at offering incentives. Hmm. Um, we started increasing the a number of emails that we sent manufacturers to remind them of the value of the platform. Hmm. And then finally, uh, the other thing that we layered on top in year two was uh, telemarketing to actually call up the manufacturers and like, again, offer the concierge approach of, hey, let hmm. us help you. 
Right. You have questions, right? Uh, so those kind of combination of tactics, uh, you know, in the, in the first couple of years, um, I think really just like made the platform blossom. Yeah. Um, and then, and then of course, like it really helps when we can offer some financial incentive for the manufacturer to, um, to reach out to their customer. Hey, I'm going to save you money on, on your registration fee. Mm -hmm. Uh, you get this benefit simply by being a partner of mine, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just like a great, it's a great thing to facilitate, I think, between our exhibitors and their customers. Right. And so is, is there some kind of special offer that you're giving your exhibitors the ability to make to their audience by participating in the, in, in the Evite program that you've, that you've set up for them, basically? Yeah, so uh, most of what we offer is are things that um, will ultimately enhance their presence to show or future shows. So, like the the prize is the number one. Uh, the person or the company who invites the most people gets a free ten by ten at the next year's show, or gotcha. you know, that space added to their. That's booth. super cool. Yeah, so you uh, run a competition then, amongst your partners. It's like, hey, everybody is is involved in this Evites program. Here's how to use it. Here's your collateral. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit because I, I know that design is, again, back to a marketing superpower. I think that's another one of, of your marketing superpowers is like super, super high quality design within your marketing. So we'll talk about, talk about that a little bit if we can. Um, and then, hey, there's also a competition running. And for the exhibitor yeah. partner that sends us the most registrations through this Evites program, this is the incentive, which is a super compelling one. 10 by 10 booth. We've heard of other incentive ideas like additional sales passes or exhibitor passes like to bring additional staff if you would like to. But this one is like you're, you're really putting your, your money behind this as a program in, in giving yeah. a, a 10 by 10 booth as the first prize. Uh, and the other thing we found really be like, I, I, look, I think, I think our manufacturers do value that prize. I think the other thing that they probably end up valuing a little bit more is that we broadcast who is in the lead. Uh, who the top three companies are. Uh -huh. um, and I mean, it's an industry that's competing with itself. So like, yeah, people, people want to be number one in any list, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that, that drives, uh, that drives participation a lot. Yeah. Too. It's like, it's like a healthy com competitive dynamic. And that also yeah. gives you a good reason to send like a weekly email to everybody because it's, yeah, it's your, sure. it's your leaderboard update. And by the way, if you haven't got rolling yet, or you still need, or you want to do this further? Here's what you need to to get going with your eBytes program. That's it's kind of exactly. it's kind of brilliant because um, there's there's that permission on a weekly basis or a regular basis to share that leaderboard update. People want to know. They're probably looking forward to that email if they're participating, and then that just drives more and more people to participate or participate further. Yeah, I mean, I get calls and emails between the updates where people are like, "So, what's my number right now?" <laughs> you know. Um, so it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, hmm. we, and we, we've actually expanded it beyond just our exhibitor partners. Uh, we have other audiences that attend the show, some that um, are also critical in inviting sort of the most uh, valued audience, the, the, the customer to the show. And that, hmm. is, that is our broker, um, the broker part of our industry. Hmm. Uh, we've also created uh, an invite uh, campaign for them hmm. and offered similar sort of access and productivity tools as an incentive. Uh, we had something called 
the, the Diamond Club at our show where all the VIP retailers go and spend time. Mm. And so we, as the number one prize for the brokers, they get to go, they have a certain number of passes where they get to go where the VIP that's retailers awesome. are. That's awesome. And that's like, that's, you know, unbelievable access. Right. Um, so that's uh, awesome. I'd love to talk about yeah. the attendee invites program here for just a sec. Sure. How, how does, how is that set up? Um, we've talked about the exhibitor side that makes a lot of sense, incentivize it, promote it often, use the phone if if you have kind of the capacity on your team to offer kind of like a concierge service around that exhibitor participation in your evites program hey can i help get it set up for you can i help get it running for you and then um this incentive and competitive element around a leaderboard and a top prize which kind of facilitates much more regular communication about the program. All, all of that makes perfect sense. And I can see why that has created a successful outcome for you. But on the attendee side, what are some of the details there? Is there an incentive for the, for attendees to invite other people in the industry to, to join kind of how is that set up? So there was a lot of learnings from the way we approach the exhibitors that I think can be applied to the attendees. Um, we are still getting that platform sort of to the same level. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really hopeful that this year is going to be the year that we, we elevate it to that level. Uh, we have not had incentives in the past for attendees, but we've just made it very easy for mm-hmm. them to invite their peers and tried to build marketing materials that explain, hey, if your function is this, this is why the show is something you have to attend, right? So like, Right now, a lot of what we're trying to do is um, just give them the tools that they already desire for trying to advocate for themselves and their organization to go to sweets and snacks. Mm -hmm. Um, But this year, I will be trying to build in some incentives for attendees. Yeah. Um, uh, Right now, like we're toying with the idea of just like, you know, raffles and such. Um, Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. And uh, one thing I wanted to make sure to touch on was was the the effectiveness or the impact of high quality design on marketing. This is something that you've mentioned yeah. to me the last time that we that we spoke, and I'd love to get into this for a sec because sure. it, you know I, I've I've seen the marketing collateral that you put out even just through through Feather for your Evites program on the exhibitor side or, or through ad campaigns. And it is, you know, not exaggerating at all here. Some of the some of the best uh, from a design and a graphic uh, quality standpoint of of any that I've seen. And so, first of all, like kudos. But secondly, of course, that's that's intentional by you. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit, kind of your perspective on design and its impact on marketing, and why Frenzier that is such kind of a, a key intention and key focus for you. Sure. Um, so first I want to say, uh, to all the copywriters out there, all the people that think that words are the most important thing in the world, uh, keep, keep believing it. Keep, you know, I, um, I just offer sort of a contrary opinion. Um, and that is not to say that I don't think words are important because I really do. Um, I think that my philosophy about design comes from a world that's just changing very rapidly. Um, I know that I am bombarded with advertisement constantly. And I think we are right now at this place where we're like, 
all a little bit mistrusting of everything that's being thrown at us. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like a, um, right? Like uh, yeah. if I get an ad in my Facebook feed, I, it's not, it's not like it immediately, like I am trusting this ad that's being presented and what they're selling. Um, so a lot of times you don't even get the opportunity to use your brilliant words to convince somebody that you're the right, the right contact, the right business, mm-hmm. the right partner for them. Mm-hmm. Um, as we scan everything in our life, cause that's all we're doing is just skimming everything that's all the true. time. Right. Right. The things that like stand out are, are the things that are well-organized, um, that are, um, manicured, well thought out. There's just sort of like an intuition or an instinct we have for like, man, this company is, has got their act together. I haven't read a single word, mm. but like, you know, um, and, and I, and I, and I really do believe that that design is the majority of that impression. Mm. Um, mm. you know, yeah. and, and, and I also, I mean, NCA has a lot of, of brilliant writers, uh, and, I know that, that they will make our writing awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my goal and a lot of what I'm trying to accomplish is just to get your eyeballs to my content, you mm-hmm. know, just to get you to give me three seconds of consideration. Yeah. And I think that good design is just essential for that moment of, you know, yeah. openness, you know? Yeah. Um, that 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 window of opportunity is created by high quality design. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I I love your explanation. Maybe we're not as far apart on this as I initially <laughs> thought. Yeah. Like I'm That's a true. big copy guy too. Like I I think I think um the difference between you know six out of ten copy that was kind of rushed together and like a nine out of ten copy that really had each kind of word and each sentence examined and all of the headlines were really thought through and you wrote six or seven headlines and then combined them to make the best one, as opposed to just using the first one that came to mind. I think all of that stuff really makes a difference. And I've, and I've seen that some in, in my career as a marketer, but I actually uh, fully agree with you that high quality design is what gives you that opportunity for somebody to read the words that you've written for them and then to consume your message. Yeah. I, I fully agree with that. You're not saying that copy is important. You're saying that uh, design is what gives you uh, like the permission basically to communicate via your high quality copy. And if you like put all of that time into this really great copy and then kind of under invest on the design, then you're not really getting, you're not giving people the opportunity to be impacted by the, the, the copy that you've taken the time to put together. So I will try to push, you know, controversy just like a little bit cause that's fun <laughs> to do. Right. Um, so I, I think in the association world, most of our audiences are relatively small. I mean, compared to like what a, what a major brand ha- True. markets to, True. where there is so much value in constant A-B testing for the huge brand because they might actually serve a million people, right? So like millions of people potentially. Yeah. Uh, and so a, the nuance of using a particular word leads to 5%, you know, 3% increase in interaction. That 3% is a lot of people, you yeah. know? In the association world, I feel like, I feel like those, those, uh, benefits are reaped, you know, and it's not, um, it's significant. It doesn't feel as significant, mm-hmm. um, to me, I, I guess like one thing that I think I would say on the copy front, um, 
and it specifically relates to long form copy that like so much of the massaging that we do mm. is, um, is, is not leading to real meaningful changes in outcome. Mm. I, I think, you know, yeah, I'm afraid. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, it's easy to get attracted by that type of marketing where it's like, A-B test, you know, 17 headline variations on your homepage and see how that affects your kind of like site visit time or the number of pages per session or that kind of thing. And like make a series of 25 adjustments over six months that create, you know, a huge lift in the conversion rate of your website into whether that's, you know, event registrations or virtual event registrations or, or membership conversions or content consumptions or what have you. but, But like you're saying, that's really only a valid strategy at high volumes. Like when there's a lot of website traffic in this example, um, to, to inform, uh, the, those, those tests. Otherwise, if you're in the, you know, low single digits or double digits of, of monthly traffic, those kinds of optimizations are very unlikely to be worth it compared to something like, for example, building and launching a new resource for your members that is going to drive yeah. further member for, further value for from your organization to your members. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the backdrop of all this too, which is like a lot of the decisions we make, we have to make with like uh, awareness of the resources that we have available to us. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like if I had unlimited resources, copywriting would be a huge component of what I invest my time and energy in. But mm-hmm. we're a lean team, so we got to... Yeah. We got to find ways to spend our energy, you know, most effectively. Um, Great. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like this conversation. I I think the relationship between copy and design is, is, is super critical. And I think that the hierarchy that you described, it's like design gives you the permission to communicate and then your copy has an impact. Like that's, that's a, that's a really nice way to, to frame it. Um, so, Paul, I've got a couple closing questions, and we ask these sure. to every guest. I'd love just kind of yep. your, your quick responses um, to these questions here. So, yeah. at this stage in your career, if you had the opportunity to kind of go back and meet yourself and give yourself some advice at the beginning of your career, what yeah. would that be? Uh, oh, man, so many things. Stop worrying so much. Um, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, why do you, think, why do you say that? Like what kind of like inspired that so thought? Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, I don't want to get like too, um, existential, right. Cause, um, we're talking about marketing right now, but I, I think, um, you know, when you start your career, you, you have, uh, a lot of expectation for yourself and you think the world has a lot of expectation of you mm. um i think as you go along you realize that people are, are very inwardly focused on <laughs> um yeah. and and that um so much of what you spend time worrying about um related to the perception of your effectiveness uh is, is time that would be much better served actually like applying it to your craft and and learning about um mm how to become a better marketer Mm. and a better colleague and, Mm. um, you know, a better servant to your members, you know? Mm. Um, so I think just like placement of energy, Hey, you know, like, um, except that you don't know things and can't accomplish the world in second one. Um, Mm -hmm. 
learn and grow. And there, and there is an opportunity in this world and NCA has afforded me the opportunity to, to grow a lot. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, so, so yeah. I think that we're, you know, less worrying, but then the other thing that I would say, and this is, you know, I'm a, I believe wholeheartedly in personalization and digital. Um, I thought that like everything we did had to, had to go in the direction of hyper personalization. Yeah. Tying it back to, hey, your audience isn't that big. And they've mm -hmm. already like, are, you know, dialed into your brand to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't, don't get too obsessed with the latest trends. You, mm -hmm. you know, don't, right. get, um, don't, don't follow every trend down the path because, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense for your situation, your amount of resources. Yeah. And all that. Uh, I, yeah. I, I love that. Like, of course, you know, Feather is a marketing tech company. Um, and so we believe, and I think it's, it's seen that technology is an important component. Having the right technology is an important component of being successful as a marketer. <clears throat> that being said, that does not mean staying on the bleeding edge of marketing technology and immediately implementing and testing, you know, any new category of marketing technology that comes out. Yeah. I, how I kind of think about it is like, there's like something like, you know, old school at one end of the spectrum and then like bleeding edge technology, testing everything in beta stages as it's coming out. And then like slightly before that is like cutting edge, which is not quite as extreme as that, but you know, pretty close. And then like one step further back is kind of like modern marketing technology is what is how I describe it. And I think that's kind of the sweet spot. It's like you want to be in the places that are established uh, and, and that are that have like got a foothold in, in the world in terms of you know, how people communicate and, and where, where attention is. But anything beyond that is probably just a distraction and unnecessary. I once wrote an article on LinkedIn and, and uh, the title was Master the Fundamentals, Ignore Everything Else. And it was exactly kind of touching on this on this same point. It's like in any discipline, there's a certain core set of fundamentals that typically don't change very much over time. And marketing is just the same. You think about it like in sports or, or whatever, like you, you can see that really clearly with any particular with any particular sport. But marketing is just like that is just like that, too. It's like understand your audience deeply and invest in that depth of understanding on a regular basis. Um, produce value focused assets and resources for that audience on a regular basis and ideally with increasing levels of quality over time. And of course that's based upon the first step of having a deep understanding of your audience. And then three, distribute those resources that you've made for your audience in the places where they're paying attention. That's the one that moves the, the most, right? Cause attention digitally is shifting um, over time somewhat, you know, LinkedIn, for example, now is a much bigger channel for us than it was three years ago. But that principle doesn't change of just communicating and distributing what you've made for your audience in the places where they're paying attention. That principle is, 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 uh, is locked in, but the particular implementations of that may change a little bit over time. So one, one thing that I think uh, is also providing me some relief at this point in my career is that now that we've got all these vehicles available to us, marketers everywhere can actually turn back on the content creators and say, there's, the problem here is not that your content isn't being seen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like there's this sort of refocus on the value of what you're offering. Mm -hmm. um, that is, 
I just think really, yeah. uh, really important for an organization, you know, like you can, you gotta, you gotta actually look at the, the, the product that you're, that you are, um, trying to sell as part as a significant part of the equation. And I actually think businesses and associations mm-hmm. probably haven't, haven't had to do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that much historically. It's yeah. like, no, it's the marketer's fault. It's the sales team's fault. You know, they're not getting the and word out properly, but like now exactly. you can't hide behind that excuse any longer. You can't because like, I can actually show you a dashboard analytics dashboard. And, and it, I will show you, I mean, eyeballs are on this. We, we are being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I will continue to optimize my ability to do that. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the product also needs constant evaluation. Yeah. And investment. Ooh, that's such a good point, so, Paul. You're a genius. Yeah. That's such an amazing point. It's like in the past, the effectiveness of your distribution was much more the variable of your success. Yep. Not that the underlying product could be crap. That's not, that's not what we're saying. But right. if you if you outperformed your competition in terms of your distribution, right, where you showed up, how effectively you were communicating with your audience, um, you could win with a lesser product. Just just yep. to, to to try to put it in simple terms. But now with that kind of being evened out, typically, right, it's like the digital channels are accessible to everybody. Um, the ease of implementing them and getting going in those digital channels, whether that's, you know, retargeting or that's email or that's social, all of those are, are very accessible and they're, and they're easy to get going with, relatively speaking. That distribution has kind of leveled out. It's not as easy to create a competitive advantage in terms of your distribution um, strategy as it, as it once was. And yep. so now what you're saying, and I love this, is that there is more importance being placed on the actual underlying quality of what it is you're communicating about um, as opposed to just winning by virtue of being a better communicator or being in more channels because now that's much more easier for everybody to catch up in that side of things. Well, and really to sort of take that, you know, I think to, to you know, express that point um, and more clearly, I mean, right now I have the ability to place ads next to where some of the largest brands in the world place their ads, right? Mm-hmm. So like uh, that has never been afforded to small, mar- small marketing teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that I can, then I can occupy a comparable space. It's like, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and this is just a random point. I don't know that it's necessarily connected. I think it probably connects better with, with an earlier conversation we had, but um I mean, I think, I think that's just, you know, one more example of why digital retargeting and, and what Feather's doing is so uh, valuable to an association marketer, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, to be, be able to be served right next to a major, a major brand is, is only something marketers of this day have been <laughs> capable of. Yeah. So, cool. Very well said. Paul, thank you so, so much for the yeah. time this conversation has been super fun and interesting um i'd love to to stay in touch and fully intend to just to see how 2021 goes for you i'm i'm uh hopeful that you're able to bring your major events back and maybe towards the middle of the year or the third quarter of the year we could check in again and see how things are going and maybe bring you on for a round two here that'd be great i would okay. love that thanks i really appreciate it yeah of course Feathers, amazing support feather <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell him to say that. (laughs) Awesome, Paul. All right. 
Well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. I just want to thank Paul again for joining us today. And if you'd like to get in touch with Paul, you can find him on LinkedIn by searching Paul Kisson. The Association Marketing Show is brought to you by Feather, the all-in-one digital marketing toolkit built just for associations. Today, more than 800 associations use Feather to power the digital marketing for all of their key programs, like virtual events, membership campaigns, continuing education, and more. To learn more about our technology and do-it-for-you implementation services, check us out at feather.co. That's F-E-A-T-H-R dot C-O. And if you've got feedback about the show or would like to join as a guest, shoot us an email at podcast at feather.co. See you on the next one.